CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. Again, that's 1 888 Ask CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you joined us. Looking forward to being with you. We set this time aside every weekday afternoon, answering questions about the Bible, from the Bible, look at current events from a biblical perspective, what we hear in church, is it even in the Bible at all? And of course, if you've been reading your Bible, and uh, pray you have, you come across something you don't understand, or someone's asked you a question, hey, that's why we're here, to help you do a better job for our King. So if you've got a question, that number to call again. We've got some lines open, 8888-ASK-CSN. Joining me today, special guest, as yesterday, we have with us uh, Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Actually, Fort Worth, I should say. Uh, and um, Jeff, so glad you're with us. And of course, your program that comes on afterwards, Turning Point, uh, um, at Turning Point Church, uh, Hardwired. And so we're glad you're with us. Good to be with you, Mike. Uh, two days in a row. It's yeah. uh, even though we are praying for Daryl, and uh, I understand he's back um, soon. And I know a lot of the folks uh, miss him. He's usually here on Thursdays. But hey, I love doing this. I love answering the questions. And you know, we had a good show yesterday. We had to go with some questions lingering. So uh, hope they call back. We were able to answer their questions. But people wonder, I, I'm telling you the, all the time, what is going on in this world? Because you look at the world, particularly our nation, and you go, something has gone off the rails. Uh, America has really departed from uh, God in so many major ways that we're seeing the repercussions of. It's, you know, as we used to say, payday someday, what you sow, you reap. And America has been sowing uh, you know, anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Christ stuff for quite some time. And now, you know, we've, we've sown the wind and we're reaping the whirlwind. And it, we're just looking at things that don't even make rational sense anymore. So people are wondering, what is the answer? And the answer is Christ and the Bible. Uh, there's not a question you've got that the Bible can't answer. That's a bold statement to make, but I truly believe that. There is not a question you can ask. The Bible cannot answer. So that's why we're here. We're going to answer your questions. And I want to encourage them again. Call 8888-ASK-CSN. And Mike, I believe it's going to be a great show. Looking forward to it. Amen. We need to be about our daddy's business. Again, uh, we got, uh, you know, freedom's slipping away every day. Joe Biden, uh, I guess today, appointed a new anti-gun committee. And of course, China wants an unarmed America when they make their move. And um, I wonder how much money Joe got under the table to put this thing in to get around the Second Amendment. You know, I just don't know why any yeah. political party is so anti-Constitution and Bill of Rights. But these guys are. Something you need to pray about. Man, I'll tell you, we are living in troubled times. And again, freedom of speech, pretty much gone if you have any uh, objection to transgenderism in schools. Uh, you're squelched. That's hate speech. It's not really hate speech. It's truth. And I'm sure when our founding fathers uh, had something rough to say about King George or anybody in England, and uh, 
they gave us that right of freedom of speech so we could we could disagree with the powers that be so we could maybe bring about some truth? Well, <laughs> uh, when the First Amendment, Second Amendment go, welcome to our first steps, our toddling steps of communism. It's coming this way. Yes, I hate to say it, friends, but um, this is what it's all about. You know, America's broke. Uh, most of you know that. Almost $35 trillion in debt and no sign of stopping. And in fact, in reversing these things, no, appoint more government committees to watch over your guns. <laughs> well, to take them away. And all these other things, you'd think, you'd think if you're in trouble financially, you'd stop spending. I mean, that's what you and me all have to do. Not these guys. They own a printing press and they just keep printing more, devaluing your money, your 401ks, turning into 201ks, turning into 101ks, and eventually gone. That hard-earned money that you set aside to retire on, evaporating before your very eyes. John said it best in Revelation chapter 22. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's our prayer. Let's go to the phones. We have John on the line, Pendleton, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Yeah. Hey, this is Nanette Parker, okay? okay. John's wife. All right. Okay, dokie. I have a question, and I hope I get this straight. <laughs> okay, does the red heifer talked about in Numbers 1 through 10, Numbers 19, 1 through 10, indicate the building, the third temple? I understand that two red heifers have been found, and if one still qualifies... Uh, it will be, I should say this, turned into ashes next year over Passover. Could this bring on the third temple I and believe- the rapture due to possible tribulation and so forth? Yes, I do. I, I believe it's very important. And uh, again, uh, when it comes to biblical prophecy and the anticipation of the end of days, um, few things have captured people's imagination like the uh, um, red heifer concept that the Bible predicts will come. And um, of course, more and more, uh, Israel is seeing their need for a temple. Now, of course, we know as Christians, we, you and me, if you're born again, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible clearly says, God will not dwell in buildings made with men's hands. Oh, I wish the cults would grasp that. God doesn't live in plaster and carpet and stucco and two-by-fours and sheetrock. He lives in you, something far more superior than any building men can make, because nothing is like you who can pray, ask, think, respond, love, all these things. So God lives inside of us. But you know, when you reject Christ, then you need something to centralize your faith. See, Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. But if you don't have Jesus, then you have to have a central place for your faith. So this is why these different religions have their temples and all these different things. And Israel, of course, rejecting Jesus Christ, needs a central place, worship focus. And so I believe this is why we're seeing this. And of course, God's going to deal with Israel in that final seven-year period of time called the tribulation period, as he deals with a God-rejecting world. 
And so we have a lot of things going on. But Jesus gave us signs. The Old Testament gave us signs of what it would be like right before, uh, I believe, the Lord comes back and before man's futile efforts to govern himself. So I believe that we're there now. And um, I think this is just more of the same that we're seeing with the red heifer, uh, with uh, Israel wanting to build their third temple there on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, Israel. Right now they can't because it's controlled by the Arabs. But the Bible tells us there's going to be a treaty signed with Israel. And most likely over this whole issue of the Temple Mount, the Antichrist is the one that's going to negotiate it. Now, what is amazing is this man is going to be heralded as the great man of peace. He reconciled the differences between the Jews and the Arabs, and now the Christians as well can worship on the Temple Mount there in Jerusalem all together, well, except for one big problem. The Bible says he's not the Prince of Peace, he's the Antichrist. There's only one Prince of Peace. You'll never have global peace or any kind of lasting peace without the Prince of Peace. And that's where we're at. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, the red heifers are very interesting. Uh, in September of 2022, a Texas farmer uh, raised five of them, perfectly red heifers, sent them to Israel, which was a great big deal. Uh, I've seen a picture of them, and they're just these red heifers. I mean, 100% uh, what would be needed for what Numbers talks about. Uh, they're in Numbers 19, 1 through 10. The purpose of the red heifer it was necessary for the dedication of the temple and for the purification of the priests so that they could, uh, or following touching a dead body. Uh, once the uh, heifers are sacrificed, then they are burned and they take the ashes and they use the ashes of the red heifer for uh, purification. Now, for there to be a third temple, there would have to be red heifers for the priests to be able to conduct their business like they always did in the second and first temples. So the fact that five of them were sent to Israel uh, under a year old, if they remain without blemish and uh, pure as they are right now, um, then they could very possibly, we don't know, it's pure conjecture, but it was interesting that they were raised, they were sent to Israel, uh, with a lot of fanfare, a lot of Jewish believers were thrilled with it, excited about it. And the Temple Institute that is involved in uh, preparing the plans for uh, the building of a third temple were also very thrilled with it because those those heifers are there now. So all we can do is wait and see. But that's the purpose of the red heifer and the idea being you really can't have a third temple without a, a red heifer because of the necessary purification for the priests from things like uh, dead corpses. So it's all Mosaic law, but uh, that's what the third temple would be about. And so, again, all we can do is wait and see, and only God knows if any of these five will end up being used for that purpose. And actually, they're, they're one of the five does qualify. Uh, the first red heifer in 2,000 years fulfills biblical prophecy and signals the end of days. This uh, news was uh, 10 days ago. So uh, we're <laughs> wow. very, very close times. And some of the other requirements, the, the, um, the heifer cannot have ever been pregnant, uh, milked, yoked, 
and uh, so it has to be brought um, pure in itself, which this does fulfill. So again, 10 days ago, they made the declaration, the first red heifer, 2,000 years fulfills biblical prophecy and signals the end of the days. That's according to the Primer Daily on MSN. So hope that answers it for you. Oh, thank you. Very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. We're, we're in some, some exciting times. I mean, we're watching the whole, not just America, but the mm-hmm. whole world implode on itself. I mean, when you look at the news, when you look at what's evil is now, Harold is good, chopping little children up, changing their sexual identity. I mean, this is the wisdom of it's absolutely madmen. This is, is demonic. This is, this is child abuse into the stratosphere that's been legalized. Governmentally sanctioned. Yeah, yeah that, that's been legalized. This is absolutely unbelievable. These poor kids will never be able to have children. These poor kids will never understand uh, uh, what, what, a, what a biblical family is. They'll never have any of it. They're being robbed right now from butchers in the name of freedom. Oh, isn't it amazing how they... they they put rainbows on these wicked things that they do. I've shared this before. You know, again, the American GI gets his arms and legs blown off overseas. Some of them never come back home. You get a day a year called Veterans Day. Enjoy it. However, the gay community that hasn't done anything for global peace, we have... We have um, uh, you know, a whole month set aside for them. Um, you know, Pride Month. Same. Well, how yeah. how do you get your arms and legs, and you don't even come home? Many of them, our friends, never did, and they get one day a year, and 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 Pride Month, who's never done anything for anybody outside of their own world, they get a month. I don't, these are things that I just don't understand. You know, I know a lot of people get angry with me because I get upset. I'm not trying to be political, but friends, this is not political. You go and read Romans chapter one. You need to do that. If you are, if you're angry with what I'm saying right now, good. I hope it motivates you to go read Romans chapter one, get God's viewpoint of all this. And you know what? You'll have an opinion, too. That's the way it works. You see, I can, I can stay neutral. Well, I'm just, I'm just agnostic. I'm just ignorant. I don't care about these things. Well, if you're a born-again Christian, you better be. And the reason why America, I believe, my friends, with all my heart, the reason why America is in the deplorable moral condition that it's in right now is because ministers refuse to tell people the truth from God's Word. And we don't want to offend anybody. You know, we bought, we built this great big building and, you know, we can barely afford it. And gosh, if I say anything and I offend half the congregation because of a political stand, oh my goodness, they'll leave and there goes the nickels and noses that we need to pay for this. So we just stay neutral. We don't have an opinion. Just love everybody. Just all groove together. I'm cool. You're cool. Cuckoo, cachoo, man. We're all grooving together, baby. That's not what the Bible says. And when we see these people, these pastors that have become life coaches and and, uh, motivational speakers, 
rather than people who proclaim what God's word says. This is where we're entering in, I believe, to the great, great apostasy. The people come to church looking for what God's word says, and instead they get a spiritual placebo, give you a nice little hug around the neck, give you some buggy springs for the ride on your road to hell, and and for some reason, that's cool. Well, friends, that isn't what the Bible says. And Paul warns, last days, people are going to have itching ears. They're going to heap up for themselves. They're going to look for teachers that will itch their ears rather than stand for what's true. And you know what? When you stand for what's true, it's never popular. But you know what? It's what God honors. And and it's what God will bless a nation over. And if you read Romans 1 and you go back to Genesis, you'll find what God destroys nations over as well. I think, really, Jeff, we are skating on such thin ice in our country right now. With the butchering, and a lot of the ice already has holes in it. Yeah, yeah. The butchering of little children. Yeah. I mean, I believe that this is what will provoke God more than anything. They're innocent. They have no voice. Just like the baby in the womb didn't have a voice, and they were, they were slaughtered some 60, 70 million of them. Now we have to allow illegal immigration to take the place of where those 70,000 uh, 70 million uh, children would have been, now tax-paying adults. Oh, no, we, we, we murdered them. So now we have to import people to support the system, which isn't going to work either. So you see the folly of man. And you know, when we go back to God's word, God's word rings true. Always does, always will. Read Romans chapter 1. And not only that, but you know something else? Jesus said it as well. He said, remember Lot's wife. Three words. Biggest sermon in the Bible, probably, condensed into three words. Remember Lot's wife. You see, that's the problem. And so, you know, I just want to encourage everybody. I know you get frustrated. I I, I guess maybe the reason I'm frustrated, I had trouble sleeping the other night, uh, two nights ago. I got about four in the morning and just started reading uh, the news and just really looking at the at the absolute dishonest slant that the American news media puts on these stories. Things that are really important to Americans, we need to know. They don't report on that. What happened to the cocaine in the White House? Magically, it just vanished away. That's a high crime, everybody, in the White House. Cocaine in the White House. And the story vanished. You know, American news media, you guys are rotten to the core. Why? But they have an agenda, see, and they're not going to tell you the truth. God's word tells us the truth, and that's why we need to go by it. So to answer your question, Annette, I believe we're running out of time. I believe work for the night is coming when no one can work. We can see globally this, this collapse, and it's going to be a financial one as well. We know that. And when this happens, I just pray that the Lord takes us home. But whether he does or leaves us here for a little while longer, hey, let our light shine. That's what it's about. Nanette, stay in line. Send you out the movie Jesus. I think you'll enjoy it, okay? Oh, thank you. And I say amen to everything you said. God is good. 
And uh, we just need to keep looking unto him, the author, finisher of our faith. Stay in line, Nanette. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Felipe in Massachusetts. Hi, welcome. Hey, guys. How are you? Uh, Good. God bless. Uh, how can we help? Today, uh, it's really great to hear, you know, people that fear God as well. Um, I, my question is, I wanted to um, see what you guys thought of uh, Mel- Melchizedek uh, mentioned in Hebrews 5 and Genesis 14, um, which is very interested in this, in this person in the Bible. I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on him. Well, I believe that, you know, uh, there's a lot of discussion, depending on what commentary you read, whether Melchizedek there is that's listed is whether he is actually a, a, a pre-existent, you know, a, a Christophany. Christophany of Christ in the Old Testament, yeah. or whether he was just in that likeness. But I believe that it was probably a Christophany. Uh, we find many different uh, things. We Remember Jesus said something interesting. He said in John 8, he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. The Pharisees, knowing exactly what Jesus said, they said, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, Then they picked up stones to stone him. The point simply is this. This is a place where I believe Abraham, other times as well, met Jesus. And this is why I believe it's worded the way that it is, because the Pharisees completely knew what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't saying, uh, before Abraham was, I I was in, in the conception of God. No, he said, I saw him. And they said, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. So I lean to the, to the, to the, the school of thought that Melchizedek, in fact, was considering, as it says in Hebrews, what manner of man this was. Without mother, without father, without beginning of days, nor end of days, but made unto like the Son of God. So I, th- I think it says it pretty clearly. Your thoughts? Yeah, the other view is, of course, that he was a real king of Salem. Salem meaning peace. And um, that he was a real man. And the way that uh, the without father and without mother are explained is that his genealogy is simply not known. And uh, so verse 3 is saying, without father, without mother, without descent. And the key words would be made like unto, which would intimate to those that lean on this side of this issue, uh, that that is saying that he was a type of. Uh, he was made like unto. Well, like unto what? Well, he became, he was a type and a shadow of the Christ that was to come. So some believe it was a Christophany. Others believe that, uh, it was a real man. And we simply don't know his genealogy, don't know who, where he came from, his family lineage. And, uh, so for that reason, uh, he's like unto, he's similar to the Son of God who, of course, was God's son, so likewise did not have an earthly father, and uh, his descent was from heaven and nowhere on earth. So there's those two views, and, uh, you know, both are both are pliable, or not pliable, but plausible views. And, um, you know, I, I'm comfortable going pretty much either way. Uh, so, but those are the, those are the two views. And, 
you, you can you can go either way and still stay saved, and that's that's the good that's the good news. So um, anyway, I hope that helps. Yes, yes, yep. thank you guys. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad. And, and like I say, I, I I I still have those verses that have to be reconciled. Uh, again, in John eight, where he says, "Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad." Uh, and they said, "You're not yet fifty years old, and you've seen Abraham." And he said, "Before Abraham was, I am." So um, I, I believe that's a possibility there. Um, so I hope that hope that helps, Felipe. Stay in line. We'll send you out the movie Jesus. Okay. Thank you, guys. God bless. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Matt in Illinois. Hi and welcome. Hello. Hi, um, question for you. Appreciate your show. I listen to it quite a bit, quite often. Um, and uh, so recently, I guess I kind of recommitted myself. I've always been a Christian, but I don't think I fully repented of everything, right? So there's things I held on to, you know. And um, so I just recently got, you know, I've been trying to get rid of everything. I've been praying about things that I'm doing, you know, or maybe doing that I don't know. Um and uh, so, okay, my question is, uh, I am uh, remarried, and um, my, uh, but my question, I, I'm divorced, recently, well, not recently divorced, but I'm divorced. My, my ex-wife is, uh, was unfaithful, okay, and I know that's uh, something that the book gives you, if you, you want to say, you know, permission to remarry, uh, one of the three things I've came across, that, uh, death, and uh, I, guess, I believe the other is if you're um, an, a believer, but your spouse is not a believer, it says to try to stay with them and work it out. But um, if not, I think it was Paul that said you can go um, yes. or leave the Yes, 1 Corinthians okay. 7. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So um, none of those are the case, but for me, um, because my my ex-wife um, was unfaithful, okay, but my current wife is a believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to church. Um, we have two kids together, um, but just what you said in the show, I don't want my itching ears to feel a certain way uh, if it's unbiblical or unscriptural, but she was married before as well. Um, but she left her husband for irreconcilable differences. So I guess my question is, like, you know, um, I fall under one of those three, but I guess she wouldn't. So am I living in sin? No. And we're going to talk more about that on the other side of the break as we are coming up on that break. You know, it's something that I think everybody needs to know and how important God's great forgiveness is for all of us. We'll have more coming up right after this. We'll be right back. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you were just notified that your Medicare costs are increasing, a program out there can really help you with your medical bills. And it's worth taking a minute to look into MediShare 65+. plus. It's not insurance. Members actually say it's better. It's a Christian healthcare community that aligns with your faith and where people encourage and pray for you. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You choose any Medicare provider, and you get telehealth access anytime you need it. And this is great, too. Unlike health insurance, you can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 
years. So don't get stuck with increasing costs. Call MediShare 65 Plus and find out how much you can save. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. More than ever, pastors need to feel people's love and support. Over the last few years, many pastors have seriously considered leaving their church. But 1 Thessalonians 5.12 instructs all churches and all Christians to show and share their deep appreciation for those who minister to them. There is no better time to do this than Pastor Appreciation Month in October. And there's no better way to do it than using the easy as one, two, three Bless Your Pastor materials that are available for free at blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Plus, the great news is that if your church uses the 123 Bless Your Pastor materials, the pastors at your church will be offered a $300 scholarship application to attend a Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Retreat. What a blessing this will be to your pastors and their spouses. For free materials, go to blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Back to part two of Jeffrey Man and Answer here on this Thursday afternoon with Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and we were speaking with Matt concerning marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, Matt, it's, it's a great question, and a lot of people have it. Um, many, many, many people have been divorced and remarried, and of course, uh, just as many in the church as out, some say even maybe a few more. So it is a question you've got to deal with because Jesus dealt with it. He dealt with it two times in Matthew, once in the Sermon on the Mount uh, in chapter 5 of Matthew, and then in chapter 19 of Matthew. And um, Jesus does give what is known uh, in some theological circles as the, the exception clause. And he says, whoever shall put away his wife uh, uh, in divorce, saving for the cause of fornication which simply means sexual immorality, uh, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries her that is divorced commits adultery. Now, that's the verse that has uh, got you wondering, because you, you married a divorced woman who did not divorce based on the exception clause. And, you know, I've pastored a long time. I've got a lot of people in my church. And uh, so I've had this question so many times. And as a matter of fact, Oddly enough, I taught on it last night because I'm teaching through Sermon on the Mount on Wednesday nights. So I dealt with Matthew 5, 31 and 32 last night. And here's what I tell them. If you did divorce or you're married to somebody who divorced uh, for what we would call a reason not biblically mandated or validated, um, then what do you do? Well, you certainly don't walk away from the marriage, and you certainly don't live under condemnation. But what you do is you say, well, Lord, if I did do wrong, if I should not have divorced, or if I should not have married under these conditions, then forgive us, Lord. It is what it is, because you made a vow before God with this current marriage. God heard that vow, and it's just as good a vow as if you've been married for the first time, because you made the vow in the presence of God and witnesses. So 
it's like any sin. It's not the unpardonable sin. You, you repent and you move on with life and you ask God to help you, to bless you and uh, to help you glorify him in this new marriage. Because I would venture to say that of in the, in the Christian church of most divorces that took place with professing Christians, uh, they were not due to sexual immorality, but they were due to the, the catchphrase irreconcilable differences, which can mean a hundred thousand different things. But bottom line is we couldn't get along. We, there was uh, an impossible barrier, whatever. So what do you say to those folks who you might as well give up on Christianity because you're unforgiven or you're in a place of uh, guilt or condemnation before God? No, you simply say, Lord, forgive me. And you move on. And our God is a merciful God. He is a God of comfort. He's a God of encouragement. And he is a God who forgives. So again, it's not the unpardonable sin. It's it's just a sin if you did it wrong. But it's a sin that is forgiven and you move on. And that's the way I would deal with it if I were in your shoes. Yeah. And when we look at that, we remembered that Jesus was describing a Levitical marriage. And uh, very, very strict things went involved in that. That's where uh, two people uh, had kids uh, quite often and, uh, uh, you know, two couples. Uh, they knew each other's background, their history, all these things. Now, today, people get married. You don't even know who this person is. It almost seems like the whole part of the courtship is to deceive the person to you marry them. And then you tell them who you really are which I know we probably, everybody listening probably knows somebody like that, that, that you know, they, they get married and then they find out that their spouse is wanted in two states for felonies. They never told them that when they were, when they were dating. And today, uh, you know, 100 years ago, the male's role and the female's role was fairly, dis- fairly understood, uh, even outside of Christianity. Not anymore. Uh, 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 men are women, women are men. Uh, we don't know what bathroom to go into anymore. So that's going to affect the nuclear home. It just will. There's no way around it. So when we look at this, plus when Jesus said that, polygamy was allowed. You could marry as many women as you could financially support. And so understanding that, the only prohibit is that if you were a minister, you were to be the husband of one wife. But uh, which of the Old Testament patriarchs did not have more than one wife? When you really look at that, King David, all of them. And so when we understand that divorce really put a woman out on the street uh, uncared for, I believe this is another one of the reasons Jesus said what he said. But again, the ideal, one man with one woman, God loves that and especially that environment to raise children in. I, re- I believe the reason God hates divorce so much is because of what it does to the children, what it does, what it does to the cohesiveness of a nation's fabric and what causes a country to stay together. I believe there's a lot of reasons why those things were said. But it's not something that any Christian should be beat up over. God's forgiveness is there, and it's there for every person if we'll just receive it. Now, if you're outside of Christianity— you're probably not forgiven. And then you're going to carry that weight, that guilty conscience, all those other things that come along with that. But you know, the Bible says, King David, who understood this more than anybody, he said his promises are new every morning. 
And oh, friends, how we need that brand new start each and every day. Matt, I hope yeah, that if helps. I add, Go if ahead. I could add Go one ahead. thing real quick, Mike. In Matthew 19, Jesus, the Pharisee said, hey, is it wrong or right for us to put away our wives the way we do? Because it was so easy. All they had to do is draw up a contract. It was supposed to be exactly 12 lines long. And um, all they had to do was sign it and have a couple of their male friends uh, witness to it. And either they personally could serve it to their wife uh, at home, just say, here's the divorce certificate, see you later, been real, God bless, have a great life. Or they could have their friends deliver it to her. No court, no court costs, no attorneys involved. It was just, you know, easy peasy, super simple. And so the Pharisee said, what do you think of this? And Jesus said, and he, Jesus quoted Moses. He went back to Genesis. A man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. So Jesus took the whole issue back to God's original intent for marriage, which was one man, one woman for life. That's God's original intent. And I believe every believer should really aspire to that and fight for that and do their very best to realize that in their own life. Because that is God's ideal. That is his original plan for marriage. But being sinners, being, you know, we fall short of the glory of God, uh, routinely. Then, uh, when a divorce takes place that is not for biblical reasons, then thank God for the shed blood of Christ. Thank God for the mercy of God and thank God that he's a God of new beginnings. And he, if I didn't believe he was a God of new beginnings, I don't think I could step in the pulpit this Sunday and preach because that's, that's one of the messages of the Christian faith. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away and all has become new. God is a God of new beginnings of giving you a new life, uh, a whole new horizon. So wanted to add that because we need to never forget to say God's ideal is one man, one woman for life. That's the Genesis original intent for marriage. Mike? Amen. Hope that helps, Matt. It does. I appreciate you both. Thank you. God is good. And again, his promises are new every morning. We need that. And, uh, you know, people say, well, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's fair. Well, what is your sin then, dude, that you're objecting to? What, what is the sin you're involved in that you need forgiveness for? There's none righteous, no, not one. And yet it's interesting to me that people don't think that pride is a sin or sowing discord among the brethren or, well, those things, six things the Lord hates and seven, the seventh is an abomination to him. Funny, divorce isn't mentioned there. Those deal with a person's heart, person's character. And it's interesting to me that the same person oftentimes that will judge another person are guilty of one or many of those things that God hates or an abomination to him. But because my sin's not your sin, I'm better than you. Listen, friends, if, if we start adapting that kind of mentality, we'll never reach out to anybody. And it really tells me a person's religion is plastic. Because when you really get close to Christ... Paul said it best, as sinners, I am chief. He realized the closer he got to God, the more righteous, more holy he is, 
the more of a sinner we are in our attitudes, in our thought patterns, in our angers, in our, in our, in our addictions. Paul recognized that. And yet some people, even ministers, will judge somebody else and say, oh, well, you be, 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 be. And yet they're in violation of the six things that God hates and the seventh that are an abomination to him. Isn't it interesting that people never seem to see their own sin, yet everybody else does? Matt's the line. We'll send you out the movie Jesus based on the book of Luke. I think it's something you'll enjoy. Stay online, we'll get it to you, okay? Can I say something real quick on yep. just what you said? Yep. That's exactly what led me. It was a pastor online, and he was saying that, you know, that you're living in sin. If this, And I was like, well, I, you know, I haven't because I left my, you know, I left my ex because she cheated on me. But and it led me down that road. But some of the things y'all just said were exactly what I found through studying this. And, you know, one, God hates divorce. And. And like you mentioned, my like the kids, uh, it, you know, everything you said was what I felt in my heart, like I said. So I appreciate you guys very much. Well, Matt, you know, again, kids that have been raised in broken homes, it, it really leaves a deep scar. It really, really does. And I think that grieves God's heart. This is one of the reasons, going back to our first caller, that I think we're in a different time now than we've been before, especially going back to our second caller, the red heifer, I think we're, we're it's it's getting close to the wrap up, because not only did did um, did abortion murder hundreds of millions of children globally, but now what survived the abortion, now the devil through politicians are chopping these poor little kids up. I don't think God's going to tolerate it very much longer. I mean, I I'm surprised God tolerates it now. And, and um, they're innocent, and yet they're being butchered by these monsters. And that's that, that calling them a monster is really, really being very kind. These people are hardcore, dark, full of wickedness. And you don't do this to children. You just don't do it. These poor little kids, oh, I think I'm a, I'm a girl or I'm a boy at five years old. Oh, well, if the parents intervene, intervene with that, oh, you're going to have your children taken away. These idiots, and I say that no offense to any idiot out there, these people that are doing these kinds of things are so wicked. Because if you give a child five years old, do you want to eat your, your uh, uh, broccoli or do you want a bowl of ice cream? That kid will eat ice cream morning, noon, and night. They can't make those kinds of decisions concerning even their meals, let alone their gender for the rest of their life. And yet these butchering monsters do this kind of stuff. They are wicked. I don't care whether they're a governor, whether they're a senator, whether they're in the House, or in local and city governments. Anytime anybody condones the butchering of children. You're some really sick people out there. And you really need to get saved. Because, you know, I believe there's a real hell. And I believe that if people don't repent, I believe they're going to find themselves in a place where they never dreamed. And I do also believe, everybody, that God is very much obligated now to intervene in this world. These poor kids are defenseless. And this stuff that's going on around the world right now, and especially in our own country, and certain states like California that are encouraging it, 
watch out. There's a real God and a real God of judgment. And this is wicked. You don't butcher children. That's a bottom line. So again, I believe that really we are up. I, I believe work for the night's coming when no one can work. Matt, stay in line. We'll get you out the movie, Jesus. God bless you, and thanks so much for that call. I know a lot of people are wondering about the same thing. Let's go to Jim Billings, Montana. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, my question regards to uh, Matthew uh, 7, verse 13, 14, where it talks about the wide gate and the narrow gate. And it's a rapture question. And I saw a poll just a few weeks ago that, from a Christian station saying that 61% of Americans today claim to be Christians. And in that same poll, about 4% of Americans have a uh, biblical uh, outlook. It seems to me that if the rapture occurred today, uh, I would would think the majority of those 4% might get raptured, but the rest of them, can they still claim to be Christians if they don't believe in 100% of the scriptures or... And I have a second question if you have Well, well yeah, and, and Jim, I think it's a real good question. And I'm not the judge, nor is Jeff. All we can do is go by what the Word of God says. Um, but uh, when you, you find that also in these polls as well, um, only 20% of people, I think it was, people that call themselves Christians, believe that the Bible is the Word of God. So right there, you know, as you look at the other ingredients, the other polls that go along with this 61% that claim they're Christians. When you look at the other polls that go along, do you believe the Bible is infallible? Do you believe it's the Word of God? Do you believe it's true? Uh, is, is Jesus the only way of salvation? Well, all of a sudden, when those questions are asked, man, you're, you're talking back to the 4% um, of people. And so... I, I believe that the, the, Jesus said, watch and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. If it doesn't make any difference, if you can believe whatever you want, yeah, I slipped Jesus in my pocket. Yeah, I'm going in the rapture. I don't think so. I, I just really don't. I think the Bible says enough about that. Again, if you want some scriptural backup for it, you can go to Matthew chapter 24, read the last six verses. That servant says in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. He begins to eat and drink with the drunk, and he beats his fellow man. He's a violent drunk. It says, the Lord of that servant. So you have the guy claiming, my Lord delays his coming. You have the Lord saying, the Lord of that servant is going to give him his portion with the hypocrites, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is hell. That is not just some place where you're going to lose your rewards. No, no, a thousand times no. Every place that is used in the Bible, it is speaking of eternal punishment. And this is one of the great problems that we find today, that people have to tamper with God's word. Well, uh, you know, place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's really not hell. Yes, it is. Absolutely, without a doubt. But you know, I have this really bad doctrine that kind of everybody makes it. And so I have to compromise that, that uh, absolute obvious truth in, the God, in God's word. Uh, and, and so uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth, it's not all that bad. <laughs> it's just a place where you lose your rewards. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. Watch out. Everybody, we are in a time of horrible apostasy. And when we see 
these kind of numbers. 61% of Americans claim to be Christians, yet they believe that there's a lot of paths to God. They're not Christians. There's only one name under heaven man can be saved, and that's Jesus. Your thoughts? Yeah, the, the verses you quoted there, Jim, are the, the ending of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking about the wide road and the narrow road that leads to life. Now, we note that he said, few there be that find it. Now, I take that to mean the minority. The minority find it. The majority do not. Wide is the gate. Uh, he, he puts it this way. Enter into the straight gate. Wide is the gate. Broad is the way. Leads to destruction. And many, Jesus said, go down that road. Because straight is the gate, and that means constricted, okay? And narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. So you got many opposed to few. So when I hear 61% of Americans claim to be Christian, that can't be true. Not real Christians. Because if 61% were real, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing, uh, Christ-exalting, flesh-crucifying Christians bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit, America would be in a totally different place. It can't be true. And then a, a, a statistic from a recent Barna poll that I read Sunday, Barna just recently did this poll of just American people, and he asked, did one of the questions, did Jesus sin while he was on the earth? 52% of Americans polled said they believed he sinned. They believe that he sinned like a human being, like a normal human being, like us, that he was not sinless. That's 52%. So if 61% claim to be Christian, that means 39% don't. But 52% of Americans also said, I think Jesus sinned. Well, if he sinned, then there is no Savior. If he sinned, then there was no reason for the cross, because only sinless blood could wash away our sin. So, you know, these polls are very deceptive. It, it depends on, it's sort of like political polls. They can angle the questions any way they want. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, yeah, I'm an American, you know, cherry pie, mom, uh, Chevrolet, and I'm a Christian. But it doesn't really mean anything. Only those who have truly been born again and are every day seeking to please the Lord in their life are are the saved. And you just got to read 1 John, for instance. Just read the little book of 1 John, and over and over again, he tells us how to know whether or not you're truly a born-again Christian. And so I, I seriously, matter of fact, I would, I would say that that poll is false. It, it can't be true. Now, they may be professing Christians, but genuine Christians, no. There, there's just no way. So, um, Anyway, I hope that helps, Jim, but uh, the sad truth is we're living in a nation that is degenerate, depraved. We are blinking at things that ought to be causing us incredible alarm. What we were just talking about regarding uh, the butchering of, of children uh, who simply say, gee, you know, I'm seven years old and I'm kind of wondering if I'm a boy and not a girl or if I'm a girl, not a boy, and mommy and daddy run them off to a doctor that took the Hippocratic Oath took the Hippocratic Oath, and that doctor in a five-star hospital uh, surgically removes their genitals, and they're ruined for the rest of their entire life, 
as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old? Are you kidding me? This is insanity. So if there were 61% genuine, born again, uh, red hot for Jesus Christians, this kind of thing would be getting shouted down, yelled down, confronted down, uh, protested down. These kinds of things would not be happening with impunity like they are. Absolutely. So, Jim, I hope that helps. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of a shame, but, uh, and then I had a second quick question if I, if you sure. have time. Um, talking about the temple, um, the Golden Dome, I've heard that that's right now is over the Holy of Holies when the, uh, Jewish temple was up. Do you know if that's any truth no, to that? It or? is not. It is not. It is not. It is uh, to the north and the east of the Dome of the Rock Mosque. There on the Temple Mount in Israel, there's 11 to 15 acres of nothing but trees and sidewalks. And we remember that you could look into the temple from the eastern gate, and that does not line up with the, with the, uh, uh, with the Dome of the Rock Mosque. So I do not believe that the and and very clearly in Revelation chapter eleven it says don't measure the outer court he told John because it's been given to the Gentiles and in a treaty or in a in a um, you know in a in a covenant of some sort where Israel could rebuild their third temple uh, usually there's there's concessions that are made and it says it's been given to the Gentiles. Well, that's actually the Dome of the Rock Mosque is where the outer court was, and that's as far as a non-Jewish person could go uh, into the temple anyway. So I, I, I don't believe that the Dome of the Rock Mosque has to move in order for uh, this peace treaty to be signed with Israel so they can build their third temple. Any last thoughts? No, I don't either. I, I've been in the Dome of the Rock, uh, just for the record. I went into it just to see what it was like. And, oh, my, uh, it was just uh, so oppressive. Um, thousands of people doing the same chant, um, of course, those of the Islamic faith. And it, it was just uh, one of the most oppressive things I've ever stood in personally. So, uh, but no, I, I don't believe that it has to go right there. Although, what if there were an earthquake? You never know. God can do anything, but it would take an earthquake. It would take something cataclysmic to move the Dome of the Rock and build the temple there. But again, God can do anything. Amen. So I hope that uh, hope that answers it for you, Jim. And um, uh, again, if you read uh, Revelation 11, you'll see it was given to the Gentiles. And we're out of time. And for uh, Jim Staline, we'll send you out the movie Jesus. And for Jim in Joplin, Missouri, Blair in California, Dan in Washington, and Mary, uh, Maria in Las, I believe it is Las Vegas, maybe, about her sister. We'll address these tomorrow. Please, you guys call us back. We'll put you on first thing. Thanks, Jeff, for being on. God bless you. Good night. about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. 
to Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 